Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Alongside me once again, former longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing this week? Doing good. Evening, Joe. Good evening. Uh, we are, well, well or morning, them, where you, morning, wherever you're listening to this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> for us, it's, it's evening. Not, you know, if, if you're listening to this at 7 o'clock Wednesday morning, don't worry. It is still morning. <laughs> you do have to go to work. Yeah. Uh, we are once again recording the show at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, as always, you can send us your questions, give us your feedback by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com, or you can send us questions at, on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, and the show will be available to listen to Wednesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com. You know, and before we get into too much football talk, uh, I want to make note of a um, anniversary that, that is taking place Wednesday, September 25th. Um, may not be a big deal to anyone who's not sitting at this table right now. <laughs> and <laughs> we sure have a connection and here, I mean, though, Yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, what, what the anniversary is, is that uh, four years ago on the 25th was my final day as an employee at the Nashua Telegraph. Uh, I left there to do the site full-time, um, along with working a part-time job as well. Um, and it just so happened that my final assignment uh, as a reporter for the Telegraph was covering uh, a Sauhegan football game that you were coaching right. against Hollis Brookline. Right. So here we are, four, four years from now, yeah. four years later. I don't know if either one of us probably would have guessed that we'd be we'd be sitting here doing this right now. No, definitely not. Uh, definitely not. I'm, I'm not even sure if you were. So at that time, you weren't doing this show. I don't think were you? No, we didn't. Um, didn't start doing the podcast until this 2016. Yeah. So yeah, the next year. Yeah. yeah. And you had had me on as a guest a, a couple of times. I think so. Yeah. Your model at that point. Yeah, was we were coaches. we were rotating coaches week to week. Yeah. 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 And then I think you brought me in to do. The playoffs, because playoffs, yep. it was, it, I always <laughs> remember how funny that was, because you were like, well, you, like, you don't have anything else so, you're doing this Yeah, <laughs> I know. I remember being like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna wait until they're really not in it, right. and then, uh, then float <laughs> the idea out there. Right, right, right. So, well, happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, um, it's hard to believe that it's been four years, because some days it feels like, I, you know what, I take that back, because I say this about things all the time, it's like, oh, it feels like it's been this long, but sometimes less it really doesn't like it feels like it's been a long time since i was i was working at a newspaper yeah and uh, you know there are some things that i miss but I, I think in the long run it was the right decision for me at that time and and still is um just going off of things that have happened in in my life and also things that have happened over there yeah um you know i still some great people that work over there i keep in touch with i see you you know Tom King almost everywhere yeah. uh, this time of year it feels like um, you know but I I, uh, I don't have any regrets if that's uh, if anyone was wondering I'm, I'm not sure who would be but yeah um, you know and, I, and I'm, I'm happy with uh, I feel like we're, we're progressing pretty well with what we're doing you know the podcast the website you know the videos the season uh, of course we're not doing one this fall but you know um, those have been pretty successful uh yeah i yeah. you know and 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 the thing i would ask you know anyone anyone that's listening right now you know if you you enjoy listening to us during football season if you enjoy listening to myself and, and, and chris hetler during lacrosse season um you know if you are a member to the site and you enjoy what we do and or you must if you're you're a member i would assume um tell your friends you know pass it along you know tell a friend that that you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it and you know tell them to give it a try um you know, or, or, or just, you know, share 
some of the stuff that we're doing with uh, someone you know that you think might be interested. And, and let's try to build this community maybe a little bit more uh, than we already have. And, and, and it, it does continue to grow, I think, every year. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's an exciting thing to me. It's funny because we talked last week not about this topic, but we, we, we talked after we conclude the podcast about how much things have changed so quickly about how people consume media. Um, and, uh, you know, I had talked about the, the glory days of the Telegraph when they had these, you know, all the statistics for all the area right, teams. Yeah, offense yeah. And there's just not a – you don't you have that anymore. Plus, people are not consuming. You know, when I was a kid, I looked forward to the Telegraph and the union leader and those type of things and, like, you, you look for your team's article and did I get a picture? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you look for those things every week. And um, now that is – the primary consumption of those things for uh, kids that play the sports, parents that are interested in reading, is through, it seems, these online um, options like what you have. And, and, and so times have changed. Yeah, it always kind of felt to me that, that when, I started, when I started doing the site, and if you can believe this, in January it'll be 10 years um, since I started the site, um, you know, I always kind of thought that the, the deeper we got into it, the more people would be almost accepting. Um, man, that might not be the right way to put it, but of, of what, what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, that I think 10 years ago, it was maybe a little bit ahead of its time. You know, and same, same with some other sites that, that people hadn't fully switched over to consuming things on the Internet more than they do you know, physical in physical copies. Um, and I think we're getting a little more, you know, in the last four or five years, it's getting a little more in that direction that, you know, more and more people are, are on their phones, they're online, they're on social media. Even that's, I I felt like there's been a big change in, in just social media too, you know, uh, you know, not that, that people are getting away from Facebook and Twitter, but I feel Instagram is just as much, you know, a, an avenue for me to get things out there than it, than the other two sometimes. Yeah. So. All right, we've we've, we've talked, we've babbled <laughs> enough about that. I'm sure uh, you're not you're not here to hear about, uh, uh, you know, uh, how I quit my job and started <laughs> up, uh, tried to start my own website. So we're we're here to talk about some football. So Absolutely. let's uh, let's talk some football. We had, I think, um, going into the weekend, two games that were probably at the forefront in Division One um, of everyone's kind of uh, on their radar. You had two and zero Merrimack going to two and zero Exeter, yep. and you had two and zero Bedford going to two and zero Goffstown. Yep. One game on Friday, one game on Saturday. Pretty great, nice breakdown there, by the way. Yeah. Um, and what I don't know about you, what I assumed were going to be good, competitive, close games turned into blowouts. Yeah. Just kind of stunned by both of those. Uh, I, I I think I was I, stunned. I was stunned by both. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You start with, um, I guess Goffstown Bedford because I think that was probably the the more anticipated of the two, uh, you know, when you layer in the fact that they're also kind of local they're rivals. They're big rivals, yeah. They Merrimack play, play every year, yeah. That, but, yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that I could think of there, aside from the fact that <laughs> that Bedford's good, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the stats for Bedford, and they seemed kind of modest, right? Uh, Mickle had kind of a, a very – is Michael, it Michael? Michael, Is that yeah, how you pronounce yeah. it? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was 13 for 16, 150 yards, a couple touchdowns. He ran one in. But that's not like you're – your 300-yard performance from the premier spread quarterback. They did. They obviously did enough, though, to, to get it done. But I think the other thing that I was thinking of was Goffstown 
week one and two had these these really tough wins that they had to gut out, uh, come from behind scenarios. And I know that I've coached teams before where no matter how much I tried to guard against it, you're grateful for those two come from behind wins maybe that came in a row. Um, but there comes a point where the, the, the kids are just emotionally and physically exhausted. And um, I wonder if that didn't come into play. Again, no matter how much you try to guard against that as a coach and you know that it, it it's, has a potential to happen, um, that your team just – there's only so much that they can do and, and, and take. And I wonder if they were just um, – they were just a little they, drained from the emotion that goes into – you know, coming th- those two great games that they had played week one and two. Well, one thing that one thing that, that Coach uh, Justin Huff said after the game was that that was their third really physical game to open the season. I mean, they opened with Pinkerton, then Wyndham, then Bedford. Yeah, those are some physical teams. They bang, you know, a lot of banging going on inside uh, with both of those games. And I think the other factors. Um, Saturday was a lot hotter than, than what we've been already. Th- not that it was, you know, s- sweltering heat or anything, no, but, it but it was a warm, like it was yeah. summer-like weather. Yeah. It was a warm day. Goffstown has those you know, dark maroon, um, I don't know if that's uh, a, a little over the top there, dark maroon. Maroon is dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, those jer- home jerseys on, you know, I think even before the game started, a lot of kids had already sweat through. You could see, yeah. you know, that they were, they were you know, pretty hot. You know, and they lost um, their starting quarterback. Uh, yeah. Jarrett Hunnall went down with an injury in the first quarter or first half. Zach Picard went out with an injury in the first half. Um, their backup running back, um, I'm for forgetting his name, and, and also went out. Um, he went out in the second half. Um, they and were down a couple linemen. And uh, their depth is already their depth. They don't really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah they don't might have 90 kids. Goffstown does not have the depth that it's had, and it's they're very young. Yeah. They're a young team. Um, and Bedford was surgical in the way that they their offense ran in that first half of that game. They scored, had five possessions, scored on all five of them. Their first drive of the game went 14 plays, took up over seven minutes. That's hmm. not a typical Bedford drive. No. Like that's, like, you're right, the, the numbers didn't seem um, too crazy because they weren't. They were, they didn't have many big plays. The biggest play I can think of on offense was I think there was a, 20 plus yard touchdown pass to Tim Green late in the second in the second quarter and and that was I mean that 20 yards I mean that's not a that's I mean it's a big play yeah, obviously to score but it's not you know you I, not where you know Goffstown's first touchdown was an 83 yard screen you know a screen pass yeah. that that Jonah Lopez cut back across the green and and went 83 yards for a touchdown that's a big play right um you know, I think Bedford had a couple of short fields, too. There were a couple turnovers in there early that they were able to capitalize on. And then you talk about the second-half comebacks. Well, wouldn't you know, I mean, I mean, look at the scoreboard. It's 34-7 at halftime. I'm like, well, yeah, that's a little it's going to be tough. Yeah. And um, then the opening drive. Goffstown comes half. out and makes a stop on defense. They come out with their backup quarterback and backup running back out there. And they got down inside the Bedford five. And just wouldn't you know it? I I didn't see who it was from Bedford, but whoever the Joseph interior Joseph Leary. Well, I said they returned it. Oh yeah, but, yeah. but, but the, somebody stripped you know, him. Though. Great, great play on you know one of those where the running back goes into the line, nothing's there, and he starts to come out, and someone just reached an arm out and just batted the ball right out, and it went right to Leary, Leary and who went ninety six yeah, yards. Ninety six yards. And that's that, a backbreak. That was the game. I mean, yeah. th- if that wasn't the game. On the Goffstown's next play, they threw a pick six, and then that oh. yeah, that was the game. Yeah, it was everything that could go wrong for Goffstown went wrong, and Bedford did everything right. Yeah, um, 
and we have I think we have a budding star on our hands and and Joseph Michael um, yeah. he looked that good um, I you know that week first week I wanted to make note of this so I remember that first week against Wyndham he was five of eighteen for twenty six yards passing they were so out of sync um, that week one last week against Concord. He goes nine, 12 of 19 for 157 yards and a touchdown, but they only win 16 nothing. Right. Last week they were, they were on the all on the same page. I'm really now pretty. I, well, not that I wasn't before, but I'm pretty excited to see what Bedford does. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you say that too often about the defending champs. Like, oh, what are they gonna do? Um, I'm I'm no, pretty excited to see what they're gonna do. Yeah, and he's a complete reload at quarterback. I saw the the. Um the feature that you wrote that was talking about how he was a sophomore. He is a sophomore. He's, He's a, a sophomore. Master. Yeah. He was like yeah. low on their depth Fifth chart. on the so depth I mean, chart. That's a complete yeah. reload for them. So, yeah, good for him. And good for Bedford. I mean, b- bad for the rest of Division One because <laughs> now you've got this yeah. guy that's yeah. rising fast uh, on a traditionally powerhouse team, and he's got three years in him. He's a good-sized kid, too. Like, he's got – he's kind of – you know, he's a sophomore, so he's yeah. kind of lanky. And when he fills out, yeah, um, he's going to be a uh, pretty – pretty solid kid maybe you know about the same could potentially be the same kind of size build as one of the Wimmer kids over at, at Hollis Brookline yeah. not getting ahead of myself here though yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> could be could yeah. be um, you know the other you know like we said the other game that Exeter Merrimack game um, sets up a another huge game this weekend over at Stello Stadium with Exeter 3-0 and taking on National North 3-0 and yeah. uh, North went out to Dover and won um, they've given up 14 points all year this year. They gave up a touchdown and a two-point conversion on the last play of the game against Winnicott, and then they gave up two field goals to Dover. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as much as North, you know, you look at, at talk, I want to talk about Curtis Harris and Xavier Provost, what they do on offense, their defense is legit, I yeah. think. I think er, it looks like it's legit. It's going to get a test, I think, this week with Exeter. Yeah, and, you know, Harris, another big uh, – night i think he had 200 rushing yards again and th- i mean that's almost that's almost like you know it, it doesn't get a whole lot of excitement anymore because his his great performances sort of just become expected um yeah the merrimack was a tough game but i mean then you get to think about exeter i mean that was dominating on od and special teams i mean on offense um i, I don't know i don't know how to pronounce the quarterback's name is uh, it Gr- Gravella? Gravella. So Gravella. So think about this. If I were to talk to you about a Merrimack game where a quarterback threw three touchdown passes. I would not think it would be Exeter. That's yeah, for sure. It, yeah. You would say, hey, that was probably Merrimack, right? Well, that's that was Gravala. Throws uh, three touchdown passes alone to Nate McDonald and had another 85 yards rushing. I mean, that sounds like a high-tempo spread offense quarterback's performance. Nope, they nope. operated out of the straight <laughs> T wing T. Um I mean, obviously their defense was lights out against a very talented Merrimack team to hold them to seven points where they only scored in the third quarter. And then on special teams, they scored on a fake field goal. Um, I think from like the 20-yard line, they set up to, to kick and saw something the Merrimack was doing and and uh, away they went for a 20-yard uh, uh, you know touchdown run. So all three phases of the game, Exeter dominated. And Merrimack's not a bad team. No, no, it's, um, you know, and they have an interesting game this week, too, uh, hosting Nashua South. Um, South coming off of what what was kind of a weird win in a way. In a, in, I mean, more in the sense that, you know, South beat Keene 53-34. They're up 40-14 at halftime. Uh, but they, they 
pretty much dominated the game except for Keene's passing attack, specifically Tucker Brown at quarterback to Clint Molesky at receiver. I had Molesky at nine catches for 256 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, you shot me he that. Nine. <laughs> on, on, was it Friday night? I think so, yeah. You shot that to me on Friday night. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> of his nine catches, seven, seven of them were for 22 yards or more. Wow. So um, they were just running fade routes and pretty it pretty much him, huh? and south didn't have a guy that could could really cover him they yeah. just didn't have i mean Molesky's a tall he's got to be six four six five yeah uh you know tall kid and he looks like he's you know got enough athleticism to really you know go up and get the ball um but i mean for south you know after scoring 10 points in the first two games to put up they had 19 in the first six minutes of the game uh on friday so they look like they've kind of turned things around That'll be an interesting one, I think, going against Merrimack. Yeah. Two teams that really – I mean, that win, I mean, that that now both teams 2-1. and one, And believe it or not, I think in the standings, they're both book looking up at BG in the standings right now uh, right. at 2-1, and one, uh, coming off their win over Portsmouth Oyster River. Yeah, and that was an interesting game because you look at that one and you say, well, hmm, this is sort of a – I mean, not an easy, but a convincing win for BG against a, a Portsmouth team that, uh, um, that has a really good defense – and but then you look at the the statistical um, disparity, right? And it was like I think BG had you know like 180, 190 yards total. Portsmouth had 300, almost 350 yards, right? Uh, you know, 91 yards and three touchdowns on the ground from Max Lalime. I think Lalime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lalime. I mean, I, I, it was it was maybe like seven or eight really big plays from BG changed that game. You had a punt return for a touchdown. Um, a long touchdown pass uh, from Dylan Santoswaso to Kyle Baker yep. um, that was actually the game-winning touchdown in the second half. Uh, Joey Lupo with the long punt return. He also blocked an extra point. Um, he had two, two interceptions picks. on defense. Yep. Um, he had one of those performances, like yeah, we've been talking yeah. about, where he just one did those, everything. Yeah, cause, and, and, Offense, and, defense, you know, special a week, teams. A week after, he ran all over the place. Portsmouth shut down their running game. Yeah. They could not run the football. Um you know, they had two short fields. One of those picks set up the touchdown. They had another long kickoff return uh, from J- Joseph Holoma. I think I said that right. Um, apologies if I didn't. That set up another short touchdown pass. So it was it was really it was these big plays that set BG up yeah. uh, for scores. And, um, you know, they're, it's one of those you just kind of – they're 2-1, and, and and it's maybe not surprising that they're 2-1. and one. I don't know. It's surprising in the way they've gotten to 2-1. and one. Yeah. You know, being on their fourth and fifth quarterbacks, um, you know, with a couple of other injuries mixed in there, too. Uh, and then they have this game coming up Friday uh, where they have to go out to Keene, um, a place where, oddly enough, in the last 10 years, uh, these teams have played each other every year right? for going back, you know, to old Division Even Two. Yeah, the old Division Two. In the last 10 years, they've only played in Keene four times. Hmm. Like all of these games for whatever, it's like every year when there's a tweak to the schedule, it's like they double up at Stelos. Yeah. Um, in those four years um, or four meetings, um, BG is two and it's two and two. Keenan's hmm. one two, BG's one two, and one of those was in 2009 with that BG team that it, that you know is is looked at as what one of the the best teams ever in the state. Right. Um, Keen actually scored 19 points on them, which was the most points they'd allowed all, all year that year. Hmm. Um, you know, last time they played out there, 2016, Keen won 32-14. That was a playoff year for BG. Right. 
So this is a game that that I think Coach uh, Trishani has kind of, you know, if they get out of there with a win, he's going to breathe a deep sigh of relief and just kind of, you know, whatever it, and and what it's been so far for them, whatever it takes, whatever yeah. way they can win is how they're going to go out there and try to win. Yeah, yeah, and Keen is going to come in pretty desperate. I mean, Coach Patnote is not a guy that's used to losing, so <laughs> I'm sure that he's going to have that those guys practicing hard this week. Um, but it'll also be interesting because, you know, they, you know, we were talking before the game. I mean, they live and die. I mean, before the podcast, they live and die by that. <laughs> it's kind of like all a game or nothing where, where defense. Yeah. We're kind of intense in the, with this, you know, day, yeah. Yeah. They, they live and die by that really aggressive defense, you know, kind of a cover zero heavy blitzing. I mean, there's not a lot of levels to that defense. And so, you know, with the big play ability that BG has, uh, particularly with, Lupo, it sounds like Santa Soso is now their solution at quarterback. It's, so. They split time, yeah. Between oh, did the two they? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I but think I that's mean, the plan moving forward. If he, you know, if they can bottle him up, bottle him up, bottle him up, but then all of a sudden he breaks it and he's just gone. I mean, he's got enough speed where he's gone if you have three levels I mean, to your defense, he, let alone yeah, one. Yeah, if he gets, if he finds a way to get to the to that second level, then forget it. Yeah, For, it's going to be six points no matter where you are on the field. All right. Before we move on from from Division One, I, I know we kind of we we left a few games out there, um, but I do want to mention um, one of the games that's usually the biggest in the state all year coming up on Friday, um, Mac Plack weekend, um, Londonderry going to Pinkerton. Um, you know, this will be last year was my first uh, experience with that game. Usually, usually this game overlaps with the uh, North South game, um, so I'm you know I have to pick one or the other. Yeah. Um, and you live here. And I live, so. <laughs> you know, Stelos is <laughs> right. five minutes from where I live. So right. it's kind of, you know, um, you know, but this will be my first year seeing it at, at Pinkerton on that beautiful turf field. I absolutely love the turf field. If other teams want to get turf fields too, that would be fantastic. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, and this, um, you know, I want to want to take a look at, um, you know, Roger Brown had this in his column in the Union Leader on Sunday, uh, a little bit about that game. Um, you know, of course, last year, Londonderry goes 8-2, and two, which both their losses to Pinkerton, yeah. um, including the quarterfinal. Not only those two, but they've lost 22 in a row to Pinkerton. Um, Pinkerton which is almost unthinkable because Londonderry's a quality Londonderry program. has been good, yeah. yes, over but the years. But they just yeah. have not been able to get over the Pinkerton hump. 22 games. Um, that also includes five playoff games that Pinkerton's won, and Londonderry hasn't won since 2001, and all time. Uh, Pinkerton is thirty-two and six against Londonderry. Yeah, geez, and I'm thinking back to two thousand one. I mean, I was coaching in Division One in two thousand one, and both of those teams were good. But I cannot, I can't remember that game. But yeah, that does make sense. So that game, I, I, you know, and it's funny. I think last year going into that that week, there was a lot of talk of lo this finally being the year for Londonderry, and uh, there's no coach I think that uses that kind of stuff knows how to use that stuff better to fuel his team than Brian O'Reilly. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things he said afterwards was, I think he thanked the, the, uh, media. the media scrum around yeah. him. Because you, you make my job easier when you say we can't win. <laughs> well, what uh, are we going to say this time? I'm, you know, I honestly, I don't, I, I don't know what to, I think it's, I'm hoping that it's going to be a really good game, kind of like that playoff game last year. I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Londonderry is very good. Yeah. Um, but, there's something about, you know, it's how many times did the, the Red Sox lose to the Yankees and did um, – I'm trying to think of other big streaks here. I mean, I guess 
yeah. talking football. You know, Patriots Bills has been pretty one side. You know, you just don't, you just can't get past that hump. Yeah. Um, London Dairy ran for 350 yards <laughs> last week. It just ran for just it, right? Just throw that out there. Yeah. yeah by the way. <laughs> yeah, by the way, just in case anybody was wondering. I mean, they're, they have really, uh, you know, it's interesting. You watch the, uh, I watched the, um, there was a thing on NFL Network about the, the Patriots championship season last year, and it was about how they kind of morphed themselves to meet what they did best. You know, they became more of a running team in that particular case. But you, know, you think about Londonderry as being sort of a balanced, wide open kind of team. They throw the ball, but that's not who they are this year. They've been running the heck out of the ball, regardless of how they line up, you know, and, and I, that's, and they get some kids that can just flat out move, you know, I mean, obviously Wiedenfeld is great, but that whole group over there is just tremendous. It's going to be a challenge for the Pinkerton defense. Pinkerton defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's going to yeah. be a challenge yeah. though. All right, let's move on to uh, to D2 and what was probably, well, at least as of Friday night, it was the game of the week, but then Saturday night came, and there was another yeah. game of the week. Um, the first one, of course, Milford uh, having to uh, squeak out a 14-13 overtime win over Pelham. They were down, what, almost for three and a half quarters of that game, I was game, there, correct? yeah. I, was, I think it was at the nine-minute mark or nine-minute and whatever. I probably have a note on it here somewhere. Nine minutes and four seconds, Milford uh, – was finally able to tie it up at 7-7 but yeah it was 7-0 through most of the game and it was just that kind of game um it was a defensive battle I mean you know we had said last week somebody better figure out how to stop Gavin Erder it's going to be a long season for these division two teams well uh Pelham had a great defensive game plan they they really uh, I, there wasn't a single person um out of Milford's backfield which is a talented backfield right they have um Hanrahan, they have uh, Zalet, um, Zelinski. Yep. Obviously, they have Erda. There wasn't a single back there that gained uh, over 100 yards. Hmm. Erda was held to 47. Wow. I mean, that's almost unthinkable. <laughs> 47 <laughs> is one run yeah. for Erda. Yeah. Um, but, and it's a big but if you're Keith Jones and and, uh, and Rick Erda and that staff, they got called for a number of penalties that happened at just the wrong times right a, a, a big third down conversion holding you know a, a, a big uh, pass completion that keeps the drive alive holding so six holding penalties the the refs that were there friday didn't see uh tom brady's tweet <laughs> no, about about it felt the that way though you know, they it didn't get really, the call from the the nfl no but it felt that way um so so to take nothing away from Pelham defensively, because I know enough having you know standing there and watching that game, their their defensive players played their tails off, um, and that's a tough tough Milford attack to stop. There's just no place to hide, right? They've got the inside game with Ugu, they've got the off tackle stuff with their halfbacks whose names I mentioned, and then they've got Erda the outside. They did a great job bottling that stuff up, but but Milford could have pulled away if it weren't for the fact the, that they shot themselves yeah. in the foot at precisely the wrong time. And then Pelham gambles in overtime, right? So Pelham uh, Pelham got what they wanted, which was in, in, in the overtime frame, you want the ball second, of course, so you can see what the other team does and understand what you need to go do. Milford bangs it across in three plays. They just ran what they call drive, bang, 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 drive three times in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, Ian Hoey goes back, throws to Colby Travis in the left corner of the end zone. Wow, we're going to go in a – double overtime here right except but i think uh they followed the old rule of hey you go for the win on the road 
And I, I don't blame them. I mean, Milford was kind of – Milford figured out the running game on that last couple drives, and, and they scored in three plays in the overtime pretty easily. Yeah. Um, you know, they were, they were hitting five yards a pop. So I don't, I don't question the call at all, but they went for two, and then you had um, uh, Barnhill. Uh, I, I, I forget his first name, but I know his last name is Barnhill. He's number 23. He's a sophomore comes down with an interception it was heartbreaking for pelham but for milford at least you're like okay <laughs> well like we got out of here with yeah. a w right i mean and and that ends up you know that's probably going to be a big win down the stretch when you look at you know the game that was postponed from friday night to saturday night alvern coming back and beating sauhegan 23 22 on a i think they went they had a conversion of their own where yep. they went for two at the end yeah 19 seconds and, and, left and got it yep um, you know, so that drops, you know, gives Sauhegan its first loss. Yeah. Milford's up there sitting at the top of uh, the South Conference at 3-0 and with everyone else down below them. Right. Doesn't get any easier, though, this week because no. they have to go to St. Thomas. Right. And they've, been tr- they've traditionally struggled more with those heavy spread passing teams than they do against a Pelham, who's a very similar model to them. Yeah, that Sauhegan game, Alvern game, that was more like the Alvern of last year, right? Those sort of cardiac yeah come back yeah. kind of thing and there were there were several lead changes in that game um Sauhegan was gritty they they came back down at one point had a 16 point run um and then Alvern goes drives down to the Sabre five Sauhegan defense stands tall Sauhegan then goes up 22 15 now it's Alvern's turn being gritty because they they go out got out a score and the two-point conversion for the win with 19 seconds. So oh, they must have been exhausted. Here's, um, here's the, the perfect example of what we've been talking about with this conference going into the season. Week one, Sauhegan goes to St. Thomas, wins. Week two, Alvern goes to St. Thomas, loses. Week three, Sauhegan goes to Alvern, Alvern wins. Yeah. Those three teams now, all two and one, all with all wins with against wins. each yeah. other. Like, it's – or with – yeah. You know, and nobody beating anybody twice there. It's almost precisely how it panned out last year. Yeah. I mean, different in a different stuff, yeah, but yeah, it was kind yeah. of the same pattern, right? Well, and Milford still has all those I mean, teams to play. They right? have to play all three of them. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Milford's 3-0, and but then they're looking at those other three teams saying, we still have to yeah. run that gauntlet. I mean, Sauhegan well, and they St. Get, Thomas. Yeah, and they, to, you mentioned that. They got, they got St. Thomas, Thomas this week. They come home to play Mil- or, excuse me, Sauhegan the following week. Um, and then they have to go to Kennett the week after that, which, you know, not only is that a, a hellacious drive. Yeah. Uh, Kennett's 3-0, and by the way. Yeah. Um, looking like uh, world beaters up there at the, yeah. in the North Conference. Um, you know, so this this is <laughs> – it's going to be a fun ride It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think every week we're going to ha- be, you know, one part scratching our heads and, and one part just enjoying what uh, what's going to – looks like it's going to be some really exciting football yeah um, i hope the d2 coaches have stocked up on peptol (laughs) because it's gonna it's gonna be stressful it's gonna be stressful managing your own game it's gonna be stressful thinking about what's going on the rest of the games that's going to impact your game you you know your standing and stuff i mean you can't control that but it's still gonna be stressful (laughs) (laughs) more power to you guys out there um you know i think the other uh game of the week that people probably had on their radar um was another th- matchup of two and O teams in D three, uh, Lebanon making the trek out to Monadnock, and uh, I think that game was what kind of close early, and Lebanon just blew it wide open. I think yeah. in the second quarter of that game, 
coming away with a 47-28 to win. Monadnock's first loss in, what, I think 14 games, 15 games, something? Yeah. Uh, 14 games. Um, yeah, the, this is uh, – that leaves, um, I think, Bedford with the longest win streak in the state right now at 15. Yeah. Um, you want to put Lebanon in a pretty good um, pretty good position. Yeah, you know, I – um, the, the, the word out of there was Monadnock very similar. And, again, I think that's kind of left over from uh, Coach Patnode's days there. I mean, Monadnock's do or die with their defense. They, they will load up and play man across the board with not a whole lot back there to, um, you know, to, to, to get an angle on people or whatever in terms of safeties and second-level players. And um, John Williman is the quarterback for Leb, who I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the season I had heard was pretty good was able to step up and they threw the ball around a little bit saying hey you know what if you're just going to sell out to stop in our run game you know we've got something else we can go to and uh you know if you're a division three contender right now you got to be looking at leb saying that's a very multifaceted attack williman's the real deal he stepped up when they needed him to the most and uh yeah i'd say they they've turned themselves into a division three contender i mean i think you know, at the beginning of the year, we we talked about them, and maybe they would be there. But I think they've proven, um, you know, proven that they belong in the same conversation as as the Campbells. Campbell, I mean, I think was kind of everyone's favorite going in. Yeah. Um, you know, but Lebanon definitely in that conversation now, along with Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton. Yeah, who, um, who rolled up another win this week. I, do you, what do you have? Um, you know. Do you have all the stats there for, yeah, for Colby yeah, Quiet? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting old now, but <laughs> six touchdowns, uh, 178 yards rushing, 58 receiving. I mean, he's he, – so what was his touchdown total last week, wasn't it? I mean, he's got to be – was. He's. I think he's I saw – He's got to be at 15 touchdowns. Again, in, in Roger Brown's column, um, he's at 16, I think, for 16 the year. 16 touchdowns. Three games. Yeah. Um, he mentioned it's a little early – to probably talk about it, but the state record is is 41, uh, set by Sean Jellison, Jellison in 2004. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Is it two or third of the way through the season? A uh, so, you know, regular season, not not counting potential yeah. playoff games. Yeah, it 16 may be, is. It may be a little early to say, <laughs> talk about that, if for any reason, because I think Hillsborough during Hopkinton has the tougher part of their schedule ahead of them. You know, it just sort of shook out this year that some of the teams they played early um, were a little a little down. Um, you know, Laconia is usually a really good team, but they're a little down rebuilding this year. I'm not so sure that you can count on that kind of production, but he ha- they haven't done anything to show that he's not going to produce that. Way. I don't I don't know if we're the best at math here. I, I'm speaking <laughs> oh, for I myself. can assure you yeah. that I'm not. Yeah. Um, but if I figure this out right, he's on pace for 48 touchdowns in nine games. Wow. On regular season pace. Yeah. Well, and uh, part of his success we talked about was the line that they have there. And we've mentioned that many times, but you've also got Jack Morrill who's kind of their speed guy there and he's got he just ha- he had 110 yards on eight carries last week which is nothing to shake a stick at but when you've got that perimeter threat uh that that sort of marries to to uh, all the different things that quiet and even Oberheim throwing three passing touchdowns last week I mean that's a good offense yeah yeah and I don't know I, what have they held opponents to? I mean, it's oh, been not a lot. No, right. I mean, defensively, you got to talk about them too. I tell you what it would be, but it appears the NHIA website is uh, is down. It's not <laughs> doesn't want to work right now. Right. Um, I you know if I were prepared, I'd, I'd have that already for you right now. Of course. Um, oh, I'm ahead, I mean, I'm looking at a week ahead now. So of course, or now 
Hillsborough Deering goes and plays Newport this coming week, so another game that they should be able to put up some points. Yeah. The following week, though, um, might be a game to put on your calendar. Lebanon at HDH, 1.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. I'm making an early call. I'm going I to might, that. I might Unless have to I check have out. something family-wise going on. Head out there, maybe pop into the library beforehand, get Love myself the a library. book to read. I've, yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of records, before we get off of Division Three or, or, or head wherever we're heading, Keegan Mills went over four thousand yeah. yards. Um, yeah, they won. They beat Newport themselves, thirty-six nothing. Campbell, meaning yeah, yeah, that's had quite a, a number. Yeah, had one hundred eighty yards rushing, three touchdowns, and uh, he's he's over the four thousand yard mark. He's, I think, easily set the school record. I read for. Uh, for rush as you know single player rushing record and and i mean we're only at week three so he's got a lot of time to pad that record but uh no surprise i mean he's been a workhorse for them since the moment he stepped foot on the field for them and um you know you look at division four and it's been continues to be topsy-turvy um you know we're we're looking at franklin's performance from a week ago thinking okay maybe they look like they righted the ship we were wondering what was going on with fall mountain oh and two and with so many kids returning, and wouldn't you know, they go to Franklin and win 36 nothing. Yeah. Um, Raymond coming up with a huge win over Bishop Brady, 22-7, to which sets up a game that could potentially be for the number one seed in the division. Um, the last two undefeated teams, Winnesquam and Raymond, playing this week. Um, They've been the most consistent two yeah, teams, too. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Fall Mountain being – kind of uh, disappointment's a harsh word but I, I don't know that there's a better word right they brought back a lot of people from last year's roster and then you talk about franklin who was uh, an elite team in the division last year made the finals but they had a ton of turnover you know they've been up and down i think they were loss win loss at this point and convincing loss <laughs> convincing <laughs> win right and yeah. then they lost again so you know they're still finding their way there's it's like you said, it's a little topsy-turvy right there right now, but it's starting to shape up where you know who the two big fish are. Yeah, so that Raymond uh, Winnesquam game is going to be at Raymond Friday night, 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, so, yeah, that that one, right, like I said, they're the last two undefeated teams in the division, so that one could be um, could be for the number one seed, depending yep. on how things shape up. Yep. Any, uh, any closing thoughts uh, on the week or, or the weekend coming up? I think the only thought that I have is when I, when I was looking at your, uh, you do that sort of recap where you have all the scores and then, you know, if, if where the articles exist, whether they were on your site or what have you. And <laughs> it's interesting because when you went particularly through the Division One piece, it was almost like, okay, that's illustrative of who the haves and the have-nots are now at this point, right? Because uh, there were some pretty significant uh, point differentials, let's just say. Right, yeah. And then you start going through the list. I mean, obviously there were some closer games, but Bedford is obviously elite. Exeter is obviously elite. Londonderry is obviously elite. Salem, et cetera. Like, you, now you've seen the patterns develop. You know, and not just that, I, but I, you know, looking at this, there were three lo- of the, the ten games, three losing teams scored more than ten points. Hmm. Um, and only one of these games was a one-score game. Right. So hopefully uh, hopefully this week is a little bit uh, – proves to be a little bit closer. Of course, like we mentioned, some pretty big games. Uh, Exeter at Nashua North and Londonderry at Pinkerton probably being the two biggest. Um, yeah, it should be an exciting I, – I hope it's another exciting week of football. It, it's, been, it's been an interesting season so far, and 
hopefully this this week we'll be able to get to a couple of things that I like to do around this time of year, starting to look at potential uh, you know playoff standings. Um, you know, people say, oh, it's too early. It's we're a third of the way through the season. It's never too early. It's to have never fun too early. And, yeah, and yeah. Do some predictions though. You know, and also kind of look at um, you know who who uh, you know we talk about who might be in, but who's already been? I guess you know for. A lack of a better phrase, eliminated. Yeah. Because um, coming back from 0-3 is not something that happens too, too often. Yeah, if you don't have a win at this point, it's a long, long road. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Mike, thanks again for stopping by. He is Mike Lockman. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.